you know, we've been trying to break down some of these objections that I feel like that we just kind of naturally have. I mean, one is, is that it's really is kind of for special people. It's, for, it's not for ordinary people. But two weeks ago, when we looked at who Jesus first called to be his disciples, it were relatively simple, just kind of ordinary fishermen, people who would have been, you know, common or just kind of even, you know, lower lower on the social scale, not not classically trained, not, you know, I mean, just, just regular guys. Um, we also sometimes, I think that we make it... Um, we make it really complicated. Well, like, I have to know this, I have to know this, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this. But really, Jesus' call was very simple. Hey, you follow me, I'll do it. You follow me, I'll, I'll make you who you need to be in order for you to be able to have some impact. Or sometimes we think that we're just too broken and that it's really for the perfect people. But last week, Mark was kind of showing us with Matthew that he was a tax collector, and I mean, just to be clear, what we mean by tax collector, it's not just somebody who works for the government. I mean, these people were essentially professional thieves. And so if your tax bill was $10, you go to him, it's like, hey, what's my tax bill? And he would say, $15. Like, I thought it was $10. It's $15. So you pay him $15, and the tax collector would just pocket the five, and that was, that was just kind of common practice. So these people, not only were they Jewish people working for the hated Roman government, not only were they tax collectors, they were also thieves. And so they were very much hated. And Jesus goes to Matthew and says, I want you to, I want you to follow me. So there's no, you don't have to already have it all together. You don't have to be extraordinary in some way. And it's not overwhelmingly complicated. I'm just going to trust Jesus and watch what he does. And so we're hoping that maybe that God can break some of these things down and we really can view ourselves more as people who can have an impact on our world, that we really can make a difference in the lives of other people. So the question we're going to be answering over the next couple of weeks is what, what types of people, who are the types of people that we feel like God may be putting in our lives that we can impact in some way? So we're going to be looking at one of those types of people today in Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 starting in verse 17. And if you're familiar with these Bible stories, like the, the name this one always was given in the Sunday school rotation growing up was the rich young ruler. So this rich, this rich guy is about to kind of interact with Jesus about what it really means to follow God, and, and they have a, a, a very brief but pretty impactful interaction. In Mark chapter 10, starting verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Shall not murder, shall not commit adultery, shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. 
the disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. So this dude, Jesus is kind of, you know, doing the thing he does, going from town to town, healing people, teaching about who God is. And, and, and suddenly this dude just comes running up to Jesus. He comes running up to him, falls on his knees. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now at this point, this far into it, we don't really know. We doesn't really give any context to what his attitude was, what his tone was, kind of what was really going on with him. We don't know, is this guy, put, is this guy putting on a show? Is, is he broken and desperate? What is, he, what, what is he really getting at here? And so, but if you go to the next verse, you'll see Jesus' immediate response to him. And from Jesus' immediate response to him, we can see what we'll to say that Jesus is a little skeptical of this dude's motives. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And his first response is, good? Why do you call me good? Only God is good which is just a little bit snarky, right? And I think the point that he's getting at is he knows where this guy's coming from. This guy's coming with this attitude, what good thing, what do I need to do to, to inherit eternal life? That This guy probably already has a perception of himself as being good. And um, Jesus is like, why, why, why are you throwing around this word good? No one's good except God. But you know, you know the commandments, you know the commandments, you know. Don't, don't lie, don't steal, don't, don't you know, be, be nice to your mom and dad. I mean, you, you know what the, what the Bible says. And then he says this in response to Jesus. All of these things I have kept since I was a boy. Raise your hand, you believe him. I mean, now he, just, he just straight up lies to Jesus. Now the question, and we'll talk about this a little bit, is I mean, how much is this guy aware that he just lied to Jesus? Or in his mind, in this moment, does he really think this is what's going on? I've, I've done all of these things. And so Jesus, who was skeptical of this guy, throwing around good and on the knees and all the whatever it's doing, it says that something changes. And Jesus now looks at him with love. At the point at which this dude lied to him and could not admit, I fall short in following God's commandments. He says, Jesus looked at him with love. Okay, well... If you want to be perfect, well, then you can just sell everything that you have and follow me. And at that moment, he was just, he was undone. It says he was just overwhelmingly grieved and sad. His face fell, and he walked away sad and grieved because he had great wealth. And the disciples were like, I mean, essentially, Jesus is like, see, man, it's really hard for rich people to get it. And... And the disciples are like, well, if this guy, if this guy can't find eternal life, then who can? And Jesus says, well, you know, I mean, it's, it's hard and it's impossible for people, but it's not impossible with God. And this story, even though it really kind of only describes about, let's just say, a, a 45-second interchange with, um, with, with Jesus and this dude, there's so much here. We learn so much about Jesus. We learn so much about this guy and people in general. And again, about, 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 about eternal life, about being good, and all these different things. And so we're do our best to try to unpack as much of this as we can. But ultimately, I feel like we, one of the things we want to do, we kind of want to understand who this guy is and, and how Jesus interacts with him. 
And so, as we think about who this dude is, this dude that has come up to Jesus and said, hey, how, what, what, good, why, what, what can I do to, what, what good thing can I do to inherit eternal life? Well, there's a few things I think that we need to make sure that we take note about this guy. And the first one is this, at least from his perspective. From his perspective, he was doing everything right. He was doing everything right. He was doing all the things that he was supposed to. Yes, a teacher, you're going to come and talk to this teacher, tell me about God. Sure, this guy, I mean, he knew the commandments in the Scripture. He, he knew what he was supposed to be doing, and at least on some level in his brain, he believed I was doing, well, I'm, 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 I'm doing all those things. I'm, 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 a, I'm a good person. I'm a good person doing good things. And he comes up to me, good teacher. You know, I'm good, you're good, good. Hey, what, 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 what do I need to do? And Jesus, you know, I was like, you're starting off here on the wrong foot. It's not about being good because you're not good. I'm not, I'm, I'm good. You don't know that I'm God. We'll leave that for now. He's not denying his own deity, right? He's like, you're not good. None of, none of y'all are good. It's not talking about good. Only God is good. But I'll, I'll play along. Follow the commandments. Well, I already have. I'm, I've, I've, I've been doing that. And so in his mind... He was, he was following all the rules. He was doing everything right. He had it all together. And he says in that moment, I have kept these commands ever since I was a boy. And on the one hand, I want to judge this guy for being a liar, for being arrogant. But I look at it and I think, this is me. This is me. This is how I grew up. This is how I believe that being a Christian, being a follower of God, this is how it was explained to me. You just, you just do all the good things. You just, you just do them. And, 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 and in my mind, I did. I went to church every week. And not just every week, we went all to the thing, all the things that the church did. We did that. I, I, I gave money. I went to the youth group. I didn't do the really bad things that they kept saying over and over that you shouldn't do, smoking and drinking and having sex. wasn't doing any of those things. I was, I was good. I was good. And then I go to college, and I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, the story I had with this guy that met me the, my, my first Sunday at this one particular church, and, um, and I had this interaction with him. And I'll talk some different little parts of the story. And I joke about this all the time, that one of the questions this dude asked me at this church was, do you want to be in a Bible study? And I have this little joke, and I make it all the time. It's like, oh, I'm not, I, of course I'm going to say yes to that question because I'm not a heathen, so I didn't really want to be in a Bible study. But of course I said yes, ha, 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 ha. It's a little joke, jokey kind of thing. But, but seriously, the answer to that question was No. Do you want to be in a Bible study? The answer to that question is no. I do not want to be in a Bible study. I do not want to be having this interaction with you. I do not want to be talking to some random old dude stranger at church. I just wanted to get my, my God points for coming to church today and get out of here. This is awkward. You're awkward. Leave me alone. That was the answer to the question. But no, what I said was, yes, here stranger have my phone number. Because I do everything right. That was right. 
And then, again, if you were here a couple weeks ago, I talked about this, that he followed up with me about this on Super Bowl Sunday, during the Super Bowl, which was really crazy and weird and awkward. And we're having this conversation down in the lobby, and he draws out for me this illustration that really did kind of change my perspective. Where he kind of, he kind of made this, thing, this distinction that I had not really necessarily thought of, that there really is a difference between someone who's just a follower, a believer of Jesus Christ, and a disciple. And a disciple has, is someone who has these certain characteristics and is really pursuing spiritual growth and is doing all these things. And then beyond that, there's someone who's making disciples who is using um, their life to kind of help other people become believers and grow in their faith. And he draws it out kind of in this little chart. And he says, where would you put yourself on this chart? And the answer to that question in that moment was, I think I'm a believer, but sometimes I'm not real sure I'm buying into any of this. That was the answer to the question. But what did I say? Well, I mean, I didn't want to put myself all the way over here because I am, in fact, a humble dude. And so believer, disciple, disciple, I'm right here. I mean, I'm definitely a disciple, and, I'm, and I feel like I'm helping people. And in that moment, I just lied to him. But I look back on it, it's like, I don't think that I knew that I was lying to him. I just knew that my relationship with God was built on me doing everything right. And so, well, I'm, I'm actually doing really well here. I would love to be in your Bible study. I'm, I'm doing everything. And, and, and really, inside, what was really going on in my life was something very, very different. And so this dude, this rich, this rich dude, he was doing everything right. In addition to that, he appeared, he appeared to have it all. He appeared to have it all. And so this guy, I mean, he obviously gave off a pretty, you know, pretty strong impression, I'm guessing. You know, Jesus has this interaction with him. He's like, okay, well, you want to be perfect, sell everything you've got. And, and, it, and it freaks him out, and he gets downcast, and he just walks away. And then Jesus looks, and he's like, man, you see, it's, 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 it's just about impossible for a rich person to really find, to really find God. And the disciples, their response to that, if this dude can't make it, who, who can? Because in their culture, and their understanding, this dude had it all. He was clearly religious. He knew the law. He was interacting with teachers and rabbis like he was supposed to. And he was very prosperous, which they believed that if you were faithful to God's commandments, you would be physically and financially prosperous. He was physically and financially prosperous. He had everything, and yet he couldn't find the kingdom of God. So if this guy can't, we're, we're all in trouble. Because this guy has everything that God is looking for. He's wealthy. He's prosperous. He's doing good things. And if this guy can't make it, none of us can. From all outward appearances, he had it completely and totally going on. And again, I think this says a lot about how the way that I, what I, the way that I was raised... There was a statement that would be made at church 
that we, the reason why you get dressed up is because you want, you, want, you want to show and give God your best. And so you put on the really nice clothes, and so we would do this every Sunday. You would walk into the closet, and then metaphorically and, and literally, you would put on your very best. This is my best shirt, this is my best coat, and my best pants, and my best shoes. And now I'm walking out of here looking my best, and I walk into church, and I am being my best. Brother, it is a blessing to see you today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. The joy of the Lord is overwhelming me today. And then blessings upon you too, brother. And, 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 you, and you talk different, you act different, you look different. That day, that moment, that hour was different than every other one of the week. Because in this moment, I'm good. I've got it all together, I am looking my best, I'm wearing my best, I am my best. And this is what I have to put on. But the reality of it is, you wearing your best for Jesus, that's not really why we did it. Because if it was essential that you wear your very best clothes for Jesus every Sunday, you would wear just the one outfit, Right? Because there's only one article, there's only one best shirt in the language of this, right? You only have one best. I wear my best this week. Well, next week I got to wear my second best. No, Jesus deserves my best. I'm going to put on my best again. Can't do that. Why can't you do that? I can't have you see me in the same clothes every week. It's not about me wearing my best. It's about what I need your perception of me to be when you see me. I got it all going on. And we like to think, we like to think, we, believe, we like to believe that somehow we have undone this. See, look, preacher's wearing jeans, right? Preacher's wearing jeans. He, he doesn't ever wear these shoes except on Sundays. But by the way, it's like, this regular, he's regular, he's dressing regular, I'm dressing regular, we're all dressing regular. We no longer literally go into the closet and do this. But I still feel like metaphorically a lot of times we do. Did we get rid of one thing but keep the other? Where we still feel like we have to come in here and say, um, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. You're good. Aren't you good? How are you doing? I'm good. And, and, and we put on this costume. And we try our best here at the Grove to kind of be the opposite of that. We want to create a place where you don't have to feel that way. But often that's, that's what we do. And this, this way this guy was living, and he runs up to Jesus and falls on his knees, hoping that Jesus is going to give him that validation. I'm doing everything right. I'm, I'm, I look right. I look like I've got it all together. I'm good, right not good. No one is good. Because he was, even though he was doing everything right and he appeared to have it all, he was overwhelmingly broken. Overwhelmingly broken. It took 45 seconds with Jesus to undo him. And again, I understand that Jesus is Jesus. And 45 seconds with Jesus is, is incredibly powerful. But there is a very thin layer of good and okay and having it all together. And it did not take Jesus very long at all to get to that. Oh, teacher, good teacher, what must I do? 
follow the commands. I've already done that. And Jesus, now feeling compassion and love towards him, says, okay, so you're trying to do this the perfect way. Be perfect, sell everything that you have, and then come follow me. You'll be, and you'll be, you'll be doing great. And this dude, it overwhelmed him. Because whether or not he realized, what he really thinks happened, what he realized, what was exposed in that moment, I'm not really here because I care about God. I care about me, and I care about my stuff. Jesus was desperately wanting this guy to expose some brokenness. Just follow the commands. Well, sometimes I have a hard time with that. I'm doing the best I can, but I keep like I'm falling short. There's got to be more to it than that. You're right, there is more to it than that. But he didn't do that. Okay, you want to be perfect? Sell everything you have and follow me. He's like, I don't think I can do that. He's like, you're right, you can't. One moment of humility. But he couldn't do it. And his brokenness, him being exposed, the idea that this facade that he had been putting on, being exposed as a fraud, it undid him and he walked away grieved and sad. Did he know? Did he know what was really going on in his heart? Did he know that he had lied to Jesus? Did he know that his motives were, were at best from the very beginning mixed? I think about this because when I put myself as being over here on the, on the little growth chart and I said that I wanted to be in the Bible study, I look back on it and it's like clear. I was definitely lying. Surely that 19-year-old kid knew that. And I think... I don't, I don't think that he did. I think that he had painted and built around the core truth of what was going on in his heart. He had built and protected it so much that in that moment, yet I, I, I do want to be in this Bible study. I, I am growing disciple in my faith. This is who I am. And I will prove it to you by doing whatever your list of things happens to be in order for me to show that I am a good Christian. And the, and the brokenness and the emptiness that was underneath all of that stayed protected. And in one short interchange with Jesus, it was completely exposed. It took a lot longer, I think, for me. But I see myself so much in this. And the reality of it is this dude that was doing everything right, that appeared to have it all, and he was overwhelmingly broken, this is like some of us and much of the world. This is like some of us. There are some of you who is like, this is me. I look at this and I think, this is me. And, and, and the same with much of the world. I am... I'm broken on the inside. I am I'm, I'm, I'm hurting. But I feel like I can't let, let, let you in. You can't, you can't know about it. I'm, I'm good. 
I'm, 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 I'm doing good, and I'm doing all the right things. I'm here at church, aren't I? I, I, I showed up. I, I'm, I'm here, and, and, and okay, okay, okay. Next time somebody asks for people to work in Grove Kids, I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll do the things. I'll, I'll, I'll do the small group. I'm doing, and then I'll come literally dress nice, and I'll come metaphorically, and I'm, I'm going to be fine, and I'm going to come here. And just, I just need to come here to know that I'm good. And I desperately need you to believe it because if, you, if I can get you to believe it, then, then maybe I'll believe it. And like I said, we want this to be a place where if this is you, you don't feel like you have to be like this anymore. That at least for one moment in your week, it can be okay that you are not okay. In fact, right before uh, we got started this morning, uh, I was hanging out with some of the folks in the band and um, and one of them looked at me and said, Man, Charlie, how are you doing today? And in that moment, there were lots of possibilities, lots of things that I could have said. And crazy enough, in that moment, I chose to tell them the truth. You know, I'm not really doing well today. I'm anxious. I feel kind of weird. kind of had a weird last few days. I can't even really necessarily put my finger on why, but I just feel unsettled and anxious, and I'm just not doing well today. And the craziest thing happened. They didn't leave the church or nothing. <laughs> and, and they still played in the band and led us in worship. And it was okay in that moment that I wasn't okay. And we want you to feel the same thing. You know, some of us, we wear our brokenness and our hurt and our pain, we, we wear it obviously. We're not trying to pretend. We're not trying to, we just, we're hurt and broken and, and it's fine that you know it. But a lot of us, man, again, we, we have built, we've built all around it so that no one will know. We'll just pray that um, God will help you break that down. But in addition to what needs to happen in your life, you need to understand that you are surrounded by people like this all the time. We can get into our heads sometimes, like, man, I would like to help make a difference, but I, really not, I don't really know anybody that's really hurting or struggling. And what you mean by that are the people who are, like, wearing it obviously. Where I live, where I go to school, where I work, there aren't any homeless people. There aren't any, like, really desperate people. It's just people, and everywhere I look, everybody's doing okay. They're doing okay like you're doing okay. They're doing okay like I'm doing okay. And underneath all of that is a spiritual longing and brokenness that is calling out, and they need someone. Now, what I'm not asking you to do is to have a 45-second conversation where you break somebody and make them cry. We'll leave that to Jesus. What I am asking you to do is to love them enough to build a deep enough relationship with them that when they have their moment of brokenness, you are there. I think you will be surprised at the number of people in your life that you think are doing just fine that if you said, would you like to come to church with me this Sunday, would say yes. That even though they think it looks like they're doing fine, they might say that they're doing fine, 
that underneath that there is a spiritual longing and brokenness that God can use you to meet. And so as we kind of have our time of, of reflection, I just pray. Just pray for each other that um, the walls that we've built up around our own heart and the honesty that God would break those down. And this really could be a place where it's okay to not be okay. But then that God would use us to take the hope that He has given us in Jesus Christ and to take that to a world that desperately needs it. So as always, we've got places to respond in the back. Our prayer team is back there. We'd love to pray with you. There's prayer candles. There's, there's communion. There's praying at the cross. We have an opportunity to give. We're going we're gonna to continue our, our worship and singing. But let's just, let's, just, let's just ask God. Break us down and show us the people that you want us to take your love to. Let's pray. God, I thank you. God, I thank you that this is a place where even I, I can just not be feeling it and that it's okay. And God, I just pray for those of us who still are just walking around, feeling like and talking like we've got to be good all the time and that I can't let people know what's really going on in my heart. The anxiety that I, fear, I have, the fear that I have, the isolation that I have. God, whatever those things are, God, I just pray you just help us break down the walls because we'll never get better if we can't admit that we need to. And so, God, as you do a, a, a new work in our lives, God, I pray that we would be able to carry that hope and life to the world and to all the people around us who are doing good but really desperately need you and your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.